to the Collapsing Pocket Podcast. My name is Simon Carroll and as always I'm joined by my good friend Sam Acro. You sat right next to me. Sam, how are you doing buddy? How do you? Yeah, uh, yeah good. All yeah. things considered. We rocked up today guys in a stunning, I haven't going to use the word stunning, bit of orange knitwear. Well you don't like orange do you famously? Not really, but it's not, far off, it's not far off burnt orange though is it to be fair? Well I would say it's nowhere near as brown as uh, no, it's not, Longhorn's no. jersey. Not quite though but it's certainly not tangerine. Uh, and got quite the snazzy snake emblem on there, double snake, isn't it? Yeah, black and white snake intertwined. It's got a kind of a, a few stars dotted over it. It's kind of a yin and yang vibe to it, I think. But also like a, something mystical. It'll also bite on the ass if you're not careful, kind of. Or eat itself. It. Yeah, yeah, maybe it, it, it looks a bit sinister. But uh, obviously, the best part of it is in fact that the badge should not be on the jumper. You just put it there to cover up a stain. It, it wasn't just for that. No. No, I bought the badge. Thought this would go well on. A certain item of clothing. It's just an iron-on patch thing off of Etsy. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, although I did some additional sewing on just to make sure. Yeah. Uh, Never know with these washing machines now. But then, then uh, I got a bit of a stain on this jumper. It didn't come out from Donna Meat. Yeah, fair enough. That's where it came from. Not that I'm ashamed of that, despite <laughs> stuttering over the word Donna Meat. <laughs> um, so it's slightly lower on the chest than I would like. What it I reminds think. me of is when I was younger... And my mum went round to the local, like, it's hard to describe what kind of shop it is. I suppose it's a clothes store, but they did, they specialised in uniforms, and oh, PE yeah. kits and things like that. And they had generic football kits that were red, white or blue, and you could put the logo of the badge on. So my mum bought me a red one with the Man United Crest badge on when I was a kid. And uh, she sold it exactly where it was supposed to go, and like that. Had a little bit higher up, more on the peck rather than yeah, yeah. underneath the saggy nip. But then she proceeded to burn a hole in the back of my t-shirt so unpick the badge and stitch it onto the back of the t-shirt <laughs> to cover the hole now nice. at the time I thought it was quite clever until I went to PE or football practice next time kids at school didn't think it was so clever no no primary school wasn't too bad but there was still certainly a fair amount of derision thrown my way and it's not just for a United kid it's not unlike a Dolly Parton song but not quite close enough is it not oh. a coat of many colours is that right well, I can't believe you don't even know this, Simon. But yes, yeah. Uh, of course, I don't know this, mate. It's one of my best songs. You know Jolene, don't you? I know Jolene. It's famous, mate. Yeah, you know. Uh, nine till five. I'll always love you. Nine till five. Yeah, because these are all famous. Coat of Many Colours is also famous, but it tells a story, a true story, probably. As a kid, her mum sewed a load of rags together to make her a nice jacket of lots of colours. Uh, and all the kids at school teased her, but she loved it because it was made with love. And it shows how rich she was in that fam- a caring family. Despite the fact that that's in financial terms not very rich at all. Well, talking about people who are not very rich at all and living just like scruffs. When getting clothing off their family members. Well, maybe. I wouldn't like to judge the uh, people of Burnley that much, but have you seen all the news? Recent, oh, the recent talk about news? Wardy then. No, no I wasn't going to talk about Wardy and his uh, 
uh, fashion uh, style because, of course, he rocks a lot of uh, Wonder of uh, Rolf gear, doesn't he? So we can't go too far <laughs> in that one. But um, yeah, well, no, what have the, uh, like the dingles breaking, in Burnley been up to? Well, this is interesting. Uh, two of my most hated uh, sporting franchises, the Burnley Football Club and New Orleans Saints, have oh, something what? in common now. Oh. I thought you had some sort of like twin together. Two-time um, Super Bowl champion, Malcolm Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Safety for the New Orleans Saints, yeah. won a, a Super Bowl with the Saints in 2010, won a Super Bowl with the Eagles in 2018, went back to the Saints, still at the Saints now, is a minority owner of Burnley FC. Is he? Yes. Bit of interesting news for oh. you there. But I took a, a visit to the great <laughs> areas of, of, Lan- of East Lancashire uh, and took in a 2-0 defeat to City at the weekend, apparently. Well, well, which is a good 2-0 d- defeat. Was it? It, well, it's been 5-0 the last few times they've, they've bothered. <laughs> Um, well, that's disappointing. Well, it, it, it does not surprise me, though, in any way. Uh, yeah, apologies for Woody not being here, and that's why you've got a two-bit podcast rather than a three-bit one. Uh, what was his reason this time? Uh, busy, busy, and also he's off swanning around anymore with his boyfriend, isn't he? So next week... And he's not next week. Uh, I, that might be the excuse for next week. Yeah. He's missing two weeks. We well, I, d- I am impressed with his uh, keenness to get... Uh, both excuses in at once. Well, yeah, he's doubled up. Fair enough. It's a classy, classy move. It lets us know in plenty of time that you'll be around here again sneaking my porch out with your sweaty shoes. Indeed. Well, you got, he's put himself under, got, got him double coverage for his excuses. Fair enough. So, you know, we, otherwise, we'd pick him apart. Well, we don't need him and we never have. So, what are we going to talk about today, Samuel? You've, uh, the, you're the man with the itinerary. I've got the itinerary. We won't go through it. Oh, I mean, obviously, there's a few. Uh, well, a couple of very big games, weren't they? Big matchups, which obviously skewed everyone's power rankings. Uh, power rankings? Have you, have you heard of anything so pointless in your life as power rankings? It's, it's like arguing about who's second and third ranked in college football. It's all funny. What does it matter? What does that matter? You're both in the playoffs. Shut up. Well, they, they play each other. It makes no difference whatsoever. Oh, between who is the second and who's third. I see what you mean. Um, I mean, overall, second and third is important. Uh, <laughs> Is it? Anyway, we've got a little bit of that coming up, haven't we? We're going to start off, though, of course, with the uh, the second of the international series. Mm-hmm. Once again, down in uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, uh, which needs to get a snappier name, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Uh, quick shaft. Uh, well, presumably they're waiting for someone to fork out. be a sponsor, out. like the Screw Fix Arena or something yeah, like that. Someone to fork out a bit of money, I assume. They're holding out on... Uh, or well, Malcolm Jenkins, there. maybe, or, <laughs> or, or a friend. So it might be beyond his means, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, I wasn't there this week, but you and uh, Wardy were, and you were, uh, in, a, in a rarefied position, as a member. Well, Wardy was no doubt one of those absolute yobs in the crowd. We'll put it past him. Throwing those glasses now. We'll, we'll get this out of the way, first and foremost, because I, I assume when you're in the stands enjoying yourself and drinking, it's a little bit of a different atmosphere. But basically, how it began, some guys in what I would call the southeast corner were creating beer, the pine pot snakes. You know, yeah. classic thing you see at cricket a lot, no problem at all. As the stewards are want to do, come along, take them off them, crowd boo, they sneakily start building them again, the crowd cheers. And no, then, re- no reflection on the action on the field there, obviously. No, well, we'll get to that. I thought it was a good game. But, um, well, certainly an, an intriguing, entertaining game. But, uh, yeah. Uh, the other fans wanting to be part and parcel of it were starting to throw their pine pots towards these guys so they could build bigger and bigger snakes mm-hmm. and it just got out of control they were just raining down from everywhere 
Um, they couldn't stop it. Neil Reynolds tweeted something about his wife and his kids having to leave because they felt endangered. These aren't squeezy plastic pipes like that. They're reusable ones. They're, they're, they're quite they? heavy, aren't they? You've got a lot of weight to them. So you can imagine them being thrown when they're hitting someone in your head, it can hurt. Um, it didn't stop there. It carried on going. And then by the end of it, we were just sat in the press box and people were literally on the tier above us trying to drop them on our heads. And that's how it ended. And that's how quickly things can change from a laugh to a mess. And it's a bit disappointing, really, because... Of course, along with other sports like cricket, mm. um, you get to drink beer in the stands and the concourse. It's part and parcel of the atmosphere. We absolutely love that fact. You know, it makes it different from soccer, where they can't be trusted to do so. But this is, in fact, a soccer stadium first and foremost, and they, it's well within their powers to restrict Fair that to, to yeah, a yeah. similar levels. They're only going to hurt themselves with this. And I know, obviously, they won't sell as much beer, but if it comes to the safety of the fans and families, and you know, people are going to have problems going back to this game. They won't want to go back again if that's going to be. It wasn't something we endured or saw the week before. No, I didn't clock any of it. Then. I think Ward's report, it was, he, he sort of felt, it, from his perspective at least, it, it felt, I'm not saying he was there throwing them, he wasn't, uh, but he thought he seemed a bit better natured than was perhaps painted uh, in the press. But um, but yeah, it, it probably, yeah, if you're on the receiving end, it's not good natured, whatever the uh, intention of that stuff is. I mean, we'll get... Not going to preview to Acord Avenue, but it was a bit of a weekend for stuff like this. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, there could be repercussions for it with the international. I suspect not. I think it, it seemed fairly isolated. It didn't really, you know, watching the broadcast on BBC, there was nothing that sort of came across. So I don't know if the powers that be would have been overly concerned about it. But it is, yeah, it is. Did a you see on the BBC, did they show the uh, Pitch Invader at the beginning of the game? They didn't show them. They didn't mention them. I laughed about it quite a lot. It seemed, again, it seemed quite well, a good Well, I mean, <laughs> it's almost a British pastime, isn't it, Pitch Invader? Um, you ran up as, as the Jaguars was about to kick off. And then when they all stopped and the ref was blowing his whistles, he just looked around and said, what, hands, was someone, someone offside, like having a joke? Laughing a joke, the player shook his hand and they cracked on. But, um, yeah, just one final and point. The, and security took the better part of five minutes. To yeah, they sauntered <laughs> on. Like, just come on, mate, get off the field, you've had your fun. Uh, I, I, it's gone of the days where someone in a high of his jacket is legging it on the field trying to get him and tripping up. You know? Well, yeah, the, the, this point where if pitch invasion have very little time for it, unless they are fully committed to it, Naked. I.e. naked, apart from a pair of socks. Is the ideal one. <laughs> it always just makes it much funnier. You can leave your socks on. But that, that, that's that's what you really enjoy most from a strip, I think. And then obviously the cutaways, yeah, we don't want to see that. But we kind of do. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of do, we kind of do. I don't, I don't know. I don't think they're going to be too impressed with the, how things went. The, the people, the suits in the stadium weren't pleased, I don't think, with the performance. I think compared to the week before where everything was so smooth. But yeah. what can you do? Uh, in terms of... of my whole it didn't spoil my experience of that game whatsoever. I was obviously privileged enough to go down as a media member. And you were there in the build up of course? Yeah, we were there. I was there on Friday. We went to um see the Jacksonville Jaguars practice and press conference so at, you, in well, you, missed, you didn't get the full week, so you missed the international pathway. We did uh, I missed the combine. We had the touchdown had writers there, luckily. Um, but I thought it was an interesting that's an interesting addition to the whole Festival. Well, it's it? like NFL Academy, isn't it? They really are trying to find any talent outside of uh, the, the borders of America now because, you know, nothing will start in the way in between an NFL team getting better. Certainly not pageantry or anything like that. So, yeah, that was a great start. Obviously, the Dolphins had a press conference and press as well on the same Friday uh, um, over in Ware in Hertfordshire. Very nice, these hotels. It was uh, Hanbury Manor for the Dolphins. Golf which, course which apparently the spread, yeah, but both of them, 
which apparently the spread wasn't great, just packet of uh, custard creams or something according to uh, my insider. But Watford always pull out the stops, nice kit tea, coffee, selection of biscuits, maybe even a couple of sandwiches if you're lucky. I'd be pretty happy with a packet of custard creams. No, you don't get a packet each, mate. Oh, right. right. Still. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that was great. As um, long as they were proper custard creams, not the knockoff spa ones or anything, which really dry. Yeah, the proper ones are. Well, custard creams are just dust biscuits, aren't they, really? They can be. Well, they pretty much are. They're, they're poor man's bourbon. You take a bourbon over a custard cream. Because the bourbon's a fla- chocolate flavoured custard cream, isn't it, really? Depending on the mood. I'll swing between the two. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Regardless, it was good. It was a good start to the, to the weekend. Saturday I had a day off. We watched some college football in the evening. And Sunday it was, it was game day. Um, we got down there early, half ten. Spurs Day was obviously fantastic. Last time I went down, I was in Wembley. And they, you know, they, they accommodate you very nicely at Wembley, but it's not as modern as it is Spurs. It was lovely. I sat next to, um, interesting enough, obviously I was sat next to a, a French guy who was writing for a website in France, which almost translated to the touchdown. Le touchdown. <laughs> Not quite. It was a slightly bit different. He was, was a lovely guy. Um, uh, we just enjoyed the game all the way through. Uh, enjoyed reporting on it. We obviously, the, the, I mean, what a game. What, what a game. I mean, it looks I like, didn't it, from the first 15 minutes that you thought, oh God. Jackie was oh, without taking doubt, yeah. absolute pace in here. They doubt. were not at the races at all. Uh, Chua came out with his injured ribs and his Kevlar vest. Uh, I, put a, I mean, that first drive they put together really impressive. Uh, teaming up, getting that uh, Bama connection going. Yeah. Jalen Waddle just I mean, fairly routine catch, I suppose. They weren't, you know, nothing, sort of, no, no big splashes or anything, but just kept it going, kept it going. And you go in and score, you think. Mm, Jackie Woods don't really know what's going on here. Well, the Jaguars couldn't get off the field on third down. It was predictable. It's something they struggled with all season. We discussed this uh, last time, I think, when we talked about them playing the Titans the week before. They were the equal of the Tennessee or better in every metric apart from third down conversions and third down getting off the field as well. So it's no absolutely no surprise that they struggled there. Um, and of course, this is all the backdrop of two weeks of absolute hell as far as is it, if you're ever mind this uh, Jaguars organisation. You know, the they were winless before this game, and I don't think many of us would be surprised about that. But when you have Trevor Lawrence as, as, as given to you on a platter, it almost raises expectations and unreasonably. The, the spectre of uh, the uh, the twenty six game record was starting to loom, wasn't it? It was. There's that. There's also you know like they, they've had some moments, haven't they? It's not been a smooth ride for this new regime. Obviously, to the, the whole drama of bringing Team Tebow, picking Travis Etienne in the first round, calling him a third down back, and then being injured for the rest of the season, and then of course, Urban Meyer getting caught with having a cookie jar in uh, Ohio. Yeah, which, so. from all the other reports, because you think oh, the worst part of it is that like, uh, yeah, maybe it's a family man should be doing that. Isn't it? Well, it seems to be more the fact that he he stayed there instead of going back with the team. Yeah, which seems to be the real, you know, the real kind of sticking point from. And that makes like sense. That makes sense, I suppose, because as, as obviously as distasteful as it is, and you know, he won't be the first man to get caught misbehaving in that regard. He uh, it does feel like a family matter, that doesn't it? It doesn't. I mean, yeah. as much as it's probably not the greatest look for the Jaguars to come out with such a strong statement from Shah Khan and things like that, it just felt a little bit overboard, didn't it? But it, there, are, there were questions about whether or not he'd lost the dressing room, whether they ever respects him anyway, because let's not forget, this isn't a guy who's coming to leave with a squeaky clean image. He had 31 arrests under his tenure at Florida. He was suspended for three games because he knew about spousal abuse by one of his assistants and failed to report it. 
Uh, and of course, all the health concerns he had at college as well. So it was always a dodgy, not dodgy, but questioned appointment. Um, the lack of wins obviously doesn't give you much credibility. And then you have this on top and you try and downplay it like he did and try and explain that to the players and there's reports of players like laughing as he left the room about it. Yeah, and when you're trying to set the culture, yeah, you have to uh, do it from the front. Don't you? That's exactly it. So when the start was like one-way traffic, Chewer and Waddle linking up nicely, you kind of thought, here we go, makes sense. You know, the Jaguars kicked a field goal on the, on the first uh, drive but then really struggled the next two or three drives to, to move the football. But then Miami got embedded down. Two in spots look good. In other spots look jittery, nervous, short throwing passes. I mean, it's, that could be put down to rust. I'm quite as a as a yeah, and, and his injury, guy, of course. I mean, of course he did. Yeah, as an impartial view to me was it was it was good enough that performance yeah. to, to assuage any kind of concern. The real error was that pick, wasn't it? Where you just see, I think he was caught in two minds really about where he had to put that ball, but. Um, there was some talk about whether he, he was just a bit, his ribs were, you know, just were holding back a bit, maybe on length of third. Mm. I think he was just in two minds, he was quite wrong. But, um, there was there was a moment in the game, though, where something changed, wasn't there? It was getting, there were 13 3 down Jaguars. The Dolphins had slowed down a bit, almost like they opened the door a little bit for the Jaguars, and they took it. Trevor Lawrence started, started hitting. Um, his tight ends, he started hitting Marvin Jones. I think, they, I think the Jaguars realised that. That Dolphins defense, which hasn't been, obviously hasn't been great, and had its own anyway. injury concerns. You know, they've picked on Noah all day. Yeah, missing missing the the two starting corners. Mm. You know, obviously, you know, two lights out corners. Really, uh, I think he did, I think they sort of realised. Hang on, we they're not quite so sure of themselves either, right here. And we we are in this game very much. I think you know, it's, it's always a way if you don't um, if you don't stamp on the neck when you've got them down, which Miami did not do. Uh, more often than not in this league. You pay the price for it. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't exactly a turnover battle. We saw one turnover each, like you say, and that was halfway through the game. But the Jaguars scored for a great touchdown grab from uh, Marvin Jones, who, who balled out. Um, they went into half time three points behind. They came out the better of the two teams in the second half. They scored a touchdown from James Robinson. And then, even when the Dolphins tried to put something together, they forced a fumble. Christian Wilkins, uh, Trevor Lawrence's former Clemson teammate, forcing the fumble and getting the ball back. The very next play, she were frozen to Nevin Lawson, like you said. So they almost get away with that to the Jaguars. And then it became decision to making time, didn't it? We saw Urban Mayer go for it on the, um, it was a four from one on the Jag- on the uh, Dolphins' eight yard line, and they didn't get it. And I don't think that's a bad call. I thought it was. You thought it was? You thought he should tie it up? I mean, I thought there was plenty of time from the cricket on the game. I think that's, if there's ever a time to go for a four foot one, it's there. You've kind of got the momentum, if there is any, going into uh, it. And James Robinson's just about got. Well, it wasn't fourth and one, wasn't it? Fourth and goal? No, it was fourth and one. Fourth and one. I, just thought, I just thought you should get the points there, because there was all the thing about. Because the momentum was with the Jaguars, and then suddenly. Mm. But they were only really tied, it wasn't allow it? it to go back. Yeah, there's not. But you're going. But, I think it's a real stinger when you get into that area and. and don't put the scoreboard. Yeah, well, there is that. But I, what I would also say is that if you're going to portion blame here, don't blame the guy who went for it on fourth and one. Blame the defense that allowed a 91 yard touchdown drive straight away afterwards. Yeah, uh, yeah, it made it look a lot worse. Chua found a, a, a nice little hot streak. He, him and Mike, him back. and Mike Gesicki, well, yeah, just in cahoots, weren't they? Gesicki's like a wrestler on the field. He'll jump up, and if you don't think he's got like a fair call, he's so uh, demonstrative, isn't he? With he was enjoying himself. Yeah, that's yeah. For sure. A couple uh, of decisions uh, went against him and uh, were not for very long. They didn't please. I mean, he was rightly outraged about them. They were both one calls and corrected <laughs> quite quickly. But uh, he, he was enjoying himself, I thought. Well, they, I liked the stage. Yeah, they go they go down the field. They take the lead again. The three points up, aren't they? Um, 
with a touchdown. So the yeah, three points up with a touchdown. Back in control. I thought they'd won it there. Yeah, I think we all did, didn't we? You know, it it seemed like it. But and if it had, but that's the thing with the Michael. If it had, and, you know, but for you know, these are fine margins, aren't they? He'd be coming to criticism. He would have been, you know, real, real huge pressure. I, I just, that's why I think you should probably just nick the points there. And I know I'm a fourth down guy, but I thought just there. His, his particular situation, his particular situation, Jaguar's particular situation. Just get the points and just keep it, keep it rolling. It's a fair assessment, but if there's one coach who certainly made mistakes when it comes to play call in this game, so in game time decisions, it was Brian Flores by a country mile. Uh, we saw him. Well, first and foremost, we saw a, a phenomenal 53 yard field goal that bent in from Matthew Ryder and he decided the game. <laughs> what view did you have? So, uh, we had a side view, but I've seen it since. Because I, I said no at exactly the same time as uh, the play call. I can't remember, I can't remember his name on CBS. <laughs> oh, so, Kevin Harlan. Yeah, both. Uh, I said it out loud. I was like, nope. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Ben, he was, he, was, he was something. This is a guy who, I don't think he kicked anything higher than like 40 plus in his career. He very, only had a small career up in Pittsburgh. Well, he was a software engineer? Yeah, that's right. Last week. That's right, and... <laughs> he doesn't look like a footballer. Like you see him in the interview room afterwards, he doesn't look like a footballer at all. But uh, yeah, and he nails two fifty-three yard field goals in one game. But the first one, bent it in, and then the game's tied. There's plenty of time left. Miami have the football. They're probably the better team. Brian Flores could try and sort the game away instead of running the ball. He throws the ball a lot. He calls. He throws two challenge flags. The first one for a catch by the running back Miles Gaskin, which is blatantly out of bounds on the sideline. These two, these two challenge flags. I think are obviously big deal. The first one, I know why he got dragged into. It. I mean, whoever's telling him, to yeah, challenge that's the it, big question. Because as soon as you, it was very obvious on the replays quite quickly that he wasn't in. He wasn't in, and it, and it, it certainly wasn't going to get overturned. You could see crap. Yeah, you could see straight that's away, the key, isn't it? Because on both these overturned. things, but on certainly the, the second one. The second one, I think, was probably a fair call, and I think they. I still think they got it wrong. I think he flicked. I think that flicked his finger. Yeah, we we were the press box. We had a lovely, like I said, for set of cameras there. It was great, and it's hard to tell if his finger moves or not. It's, it, the freeze frame just doesn't quite match up exactly with the ball going past his finger, doesn't it? The frame between one and two. Um, but the point is that the likelihood of that being turned over, such a critical play, such small margins, is tiny. Yeah. Whoever makes that decision, and and it's not Brian Flores, but whoever his team is. But there, yes. He has to trust him. Yes, you've got to get rid of that guy and go with somebody else because that was a huge play. That's two timeouts wiped off the board. The first one was so. I think the second one. I can see why he got sucked into both of them because obviously the first one was reversed on the field, wasn't it? Instantly, he got called and then got taken back. So you think, so he probably that suckers him in a bit more. And, and then, then the second one, you think, oh, so it looked tight, and you think if you, I'm pretty sure that was them, and it's a touchdown if they've got it. So you sort of see. Even though they're both right, I think they're very easy for him to get suckered into. Yeah, he should well, have done maybe. A guy, you know, you expect you expect those decisions to be going right for for people. Whoever's in control of that situation, you expect it to go right. But that's not where it ends. You know, the Jaguars they, obviously they lose one of the nine lives essentially. They don't, they, but they don't move the football down the field. The Dolphins get the ball back, and then they go for it on fourth and one in their own half of the field, their own forty-eight yard line, mm. and they don't get that there. Now that, to me, at a tight game, that is a bigger. Bad yeah, decision. Yeah, especially the way they've been, they've been struggling to get short yards, haven't they? I think. And uh, and so obviously that's another mistake. And then the greatest moment of all, the Jaguars get the football back. They move down the field for courtesy of some bad penalties from the Dolphins, some great play calls and the passes on the outside. And then for Flores to call that timeout on the last play, 
and allow Urban Meyer a, t- a second to change his mind about the play call. Because we spoke to Urban in the in the interview room afterwards, and Ben Roll from PFN, one of my former colleagues, he, he asked him that that timeout by the, the Dolphins just before the fourth down, the fourth and eight. It allowed you some more time. Did you change your play? He said, yes, we did. At that point, of course, we're thinking to go Hail Mary there. Yeah. Because there's only five seconds on the clock. But he gave us the time to breathe. And we had a play in our bag that we knew take took four seconds. We knew he'd be close to a defender when he caught it. Be on the ground. He knew that instinct would tell that defender to touch him. Yeah. Because if the defender doesn't touch him, that play clock keeps going. And it, and it goes to zeros and we're in overtime. Um, and he had... A referee right by his side, ready to tell to tell time out the minute he hit the ground, yeah. and saved that one second on the clock, and gave him a fifty-three yard shot, at a fifty-three yard field goal. It was quite honestly not only poor decision making again from Brian Flores, but that there probably gave Urban Meyer that little bit of credibility, didn't it? Like I, I, mean, can, yeah, I can make decisions in games. He didn't really put a foot wrong. The fourth down choice was a choice, wasn't it? It was a straight up choice, and you can see both ways, like you say. But I don't think he made a bad decision all game, Urban Meyer. That gives him That coming off will help like his players believe hang on, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, it definitely it was yeah, a big a big moment for, for him personally and, and his position in the team. I don't think it's the questions about him as a coach are his play calling. I think that's I, I don't think that's been an issue with him and, and well, I don't think that's a step from college to NFL that you probably worry about. It it's it's all the stuff around it where he just feels a bit more Amateurish, then you probably need to be in that in that league. I think that's still the question over him. Maybe, but I think I've, certainly with Gruden and all that issue coming out afterwards, the, the heat's off him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. The wind will take the heat off him a little bit more. We asked him in the, in the press conference how he felt. And he said he felt he was up there with his two national championship wins. The feeling of getting his first NFL win, you can tell it means something to him. The noises you like if you go into the, these press conference rooms, these like conference halls in Spurs Stadium, you have to go right into the catacombs of the ground, down down the stairs. You're walking for quite a while around the thing. You go past the tunnel, all you can hear is whooping and hollering and cheering and backslapping in this in this change. They don't sound like a team that have given up. No, no, no. on uh, on Urban Meyer. Fair Regardless enough. of reports, we spoke to Trevor Lawrence afterwards. He says that the team have never wavered. You know, he's out there coached at the end of the day, and you know all that noise is just outside noise as far yeah, as they think about that team. You know, a lot of their team haven't won in you know a season. Yeah, <laughs> you know, overseas. A lot of them, of course. You know, Trevor Lawrence has just gone. He's lost more games in the last six weeks than he's lost in, the, in his life. Yeah, I mean, it's, so, it's, it's, so, it's, you know, it should mean a lot to those players. There's some interesting comments in the after game. Uh, Josh Allen said that he felt he was liable for the touchdown first one, so he bowled out the rest of the game trying to get it back. Yeah, he certainly did. And he did. Uh, Marvin Jones, uh, he, I asked him about his first time in uh, London because, of course, he, we'd mean, actually, Sam, me and you have both been to see the Lions play the Falcons. He was, yeah. he was in the Bengals then. And then we went to see the Bengals versus Washington, and he was in the Lions then. So he missed out on both times, just switching, switching over the wrong time. Big soccer fan, said he was going to go and visit Antoine Griezmann after this and uh, stay with him for a bit and watch him uh, play for Atletico and all that kind of stuff. How did that work out for him? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't know if Griezmann got sent off. Um, but um, yeah, I think all in all, like um, the, the harmony scenes there, like Marvin Jones was saying how he feels there's a responsibility for him as one of the few veterans in that team, a very young team. To help, to help guide him through this, and, I'm, and for a guy who's been on the Bengals and the Lions, he's facing his fair share of better adversity. You know, this is, I think, people just need to have a bit of a rain check on the on the Jaguars. Where they are at is what we all expect them to be at. You just fail to see that because of all the drama surrounding just the appointment of Meyer. This is now. their turning point. 
Well, it's difficult, isn't We're it? In week eight, a trip to Seattle next. Well, yes, but that's why I asked that about Josh Allen. He seems to think that the how pumped they were in the in the lock, in the locker room afterwards. Well, they'll be more excited to get that again than they ever were before. I guess it's going. To, yeah, and and I suppose carrying it in a way they almost don't want the bye week. Do they? I suppose they want to carry it through. It'll be a interesting time in there. But yeah, the Jaguars have come through some choppy water, and I think this this team and certainly the head coach are going to be judged now on the performance on the field. Right. I now. thought just to wrap up, I thought both before. I think Miami, despite losing, getting Tua back, I think Tua, like I say, for the most part... You think that's a positive, yeah? I think they look... Because I think that is a positive, but... Yeah. And there were some things you can put your hat on, it's probably but... Turn, you know, it's, probably not, it's not properly turning the corner until you get a W, is it? But I think both teams will walk out of that being... I don't we're know. Not as bad as, we're not as bad as our records suggest, maybe. The Jaguars are buoyant. For me, the Dolphins, they're a different matter. They are far from meeting expectations, uh, as you could imagine, like considering the optimism of this team at the end of last season. The defence has completely utterly disappeared. I know this game they had injuries, but even before then, it was back. The game management flurries, like I mentioned, that's an issue. I think it would have been a decidedly uncomfortable flight home there. I think he'll be content that he's got his quarterback back. But I honestly think that that's more of a long-term thing for him. I think you know that's fine. That's I think great. they'll look at what, you know, what they were missing on offence as well, which is you know, significant. Yeah, they're, they're missing they're Devontae making... Parker, weren't they? Preston... Smith, um, no, rather. So, you know, two two main receivers, I think, as well. So, so to, I I thought there was enough there. I think there's obviously still lots lots of work to do, and and, I, and you know, I say they have underwhelmed from where we thought this might be the season they'd really pick up pick up. But uh, just to clarify, they, they were. I thought these teams were very similar, and I don't think that's a, something that the Dolphins want to hear. But they were. They had similar problems, injuries. They had similar problems in talent levels. They had similar problems with uh, discipline. Both teams are about. 80 yards penalties and the same amount of penalties on offensive line and holding penalties and things like that. Yeah, yeah. That, that That's the bottom line for me that this team, this Dolphins team, is at the level of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And whilst that might not be as bad as everyone thinks, it's not where they expect it to be this time last year. No, they weren't expecting that, that stuff. But, you know, perhaps this year... Perhaps this year you know, year's, tough tits. Well, yeah. But, no, I mean, perhaps this, perhaps this year's their little, uh, you know, little step back. And then, I don't... I'm not panicking about the Dolphins. They have definitely had a very out of sorts start, and I, I thought they showed enough in this game to think, yeah, they're not they're an absolute garbage fire. Put it that way. Well, I might disagree, but are you panicking about the Cleveland Browns? Big time. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I'm not because I don't care. But <laughs> <laughs> if I was a Cleveland fan, I don't know. I this made me a bit nervy. But, 37-14, wasn't it, at, uh, well, hosting, sorry, the Cardinals. Builders, you know, it was obviously the big game of we had a, the weekend. Just this, to clarify, we all had Cleveland to win this. We did. There were some injuries, which I think if we'd known about, yeah. we would have changed our minds. Um, and that's probably what Cleveland are going to cling on to a little bit, in the fact that, um, God, who was out? Con- uh, Conklin, Hubbard, Wills out on the... Nick um, Chubb, obviously. On the O-line, obviously Nick Chubb to start with, and, and Kareem Hunt went down in the third quarter, it's not looking like he's going to be in uh, Thursday night's game. It's not looking like uh, Baker Mayfield's going to be in Thursday night's game either. But basically that plan A, which has worked really well for Cleveland so far, uh, you know, that run game, which has been, I don't want to say maybe the best in the league. I don't know. Yeah, Baltimore might, might, question, might have a word to say on that, but pretty much the best in the league. That was taken away from them. And it just didn't feel like... Uh, this will be the narrative but uh, Baker Mayfield really knew how to or anyone there really knew what plan B was going to be so you phrased it as in should we be worried about Baker Mayfield 
didn't you? That was the question you put on, yeah. on the on as the part of the uh, the rundown. And I think no. I think if you look at it in a microcosm, no, I don't think you have to worry. If you look at the other four quarterbacks in that draft class, he's middling, isn't he? Okay, he's likely not as good as Josh Allen at this stage. He's likely not as good as Lamar Jackson, but he is better than Josh Rosen, and he is better than Sam Darnold. Now I know he's picked number one overall, but we're talking about small margins between a set of quarterbacks, and Lamar notwithstanding, that all went within the top ten picks. Um, is he elite franchise quarterback? Probably not. Is he good enough to allow the Browns to be Super Bowl contenders? Yes, I think he is. I think what's I, well, we're actually I'd say that is the question. You, you... I think he is. I think what we're seeing here is is just a cat, uh, a group of injuries. They are three and three. They're not dead. Let's not be. Let's not say that about them. They did push the Chiefs very close in Week One. We're not talking about a talented team here. I think. I think it, obviously his game's been affected the last two weeks by that painful shoulder injury. You saw the agony he was in when he went down with that shoulder injury. Um, but if you look at it, despite that, his stats this season. So far this season, after six games, are actually better than his, his career stats. So his pass, his accuracy, his pass completion is seven sixty seven point one percent. Career is sixty two point four, eight and a half yards per attempt. Career seven point five. Touchdown interception ratio is two to one. And I think it was like something like one point seven six to one prior to that. So there's always I think with Baker, you, it's like a number of quarterbacks we've seen in the past. It's like Philip Rivers. There's always going to be those moments of frustration. And there's always going to be those moments of magic, just like that Hail Mary we saw in the last game. You know, he does have talent in him. Yeah, to no, I'm not saying he doesn't. I, just, I think what this game kind of pointed towards when you say, is it, I, I think you might just hold you back in that. I, I, I always say I don't think quarterbacks are the people who win, who do are as important as everyone thinks they are. That's because you're an idiot. But it feels like um, you do need a quarterback who, who can. You just feel like they had a plan B. I think as soon as that run game goes, he starts to look a little exposed. Um, in the way that when things go wrong for, you know, the like you say, the absolute top tier elite, not I'm not saying out of his draft class out of the, in in the league. He, I don't think he can take a team through a, a tricky patch in the same way that, um, well, on the other you know, Kyle Murray seems to be able to do or um, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, or, okay, or, or okay. No, that, that's whoever. a fair point, but let's look at. And some... I think that might just pin you back if the, if this run game is down for a while. Uh, which it looks like it might be, then Cleveland going to be you know, on the outside looking in, realistically. Well, I think that's fair, but I think also that you build your team in certain ways and it only takes two key injuries to the, to the way you built it. There's always a weakness in every team and then that disappears, it's different. How about look at some quarterbacks who've made the Super Bowl recently and say, would you rather have their quarterback or would you rather have Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff? For instance, he didn't win the Super Bowl. No, he didn't know, but he made the Super Bowl. Once you're in the dance, you're in the dance, aren't you? How I, close was he? I mean, we're going to get to Jared Goff in a bit. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to Jared Goff in a bit, but my point is, you know, yes, I would rather have Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, wouldn't you? You know, we're not, there are, there's, there's a numerous other quarterbacks who've made it there, and it's the system they've been putting themselves in, but also, you know, they, they don't lose your games, and I think Baker's better than that. I don't think he's a game manager, but you're right. He, he's obviously not going to be, you're never going to put me in top 10 list, I don't think. No, I just wonder if that... But are you asking me if he's Andy Dalton? Because, Absolutely not. But I think the issue for Cleveland, why this why this game is a worry, without um, wanting to spend spend time just bagging on the Browns here, which will probably praise Arizona at some point. But um, if you look at the rest of that team, and the rest of that, you know, the, the, the depth of that team, or everyone else is, you know, grade A, you know, A plus, and, you know, every other area of, of that team looks pretty great. And then... It's the quarterback thing. Oh, well, that is the missing link, maybe. Just a quick word on Arizona then, because we will talk about how they're still the only unbeaten team in the NFL. 
Uh, the head coach had COVID. Wasn't mm-hmm. that? Uh, Wasn't uh, City didn't even watch some of it. I'm so confident. There's two ways you can look at this. This is a very well constructed team, very talented football team, who can do things without the head coach. The way of looking at it is, why do they need this head coach? What are they bringing? To, what is he bringing? But then, but then the head coach put that team together. Well, part, it's certainly part and parcel of it. It's his, it's his scheme. But, but I think it shows the healthiness to the Cardinals. I mean, we we might have thought it a bit fragile. Fragile six and zero. Not necessarily the case when they can come through something like this in a big spot, in a big game. Yeah, well up to. On That's the road in Cleveland, you know, I think it's a fair... It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't close. It wasn't that, that's no. a fair, very, entirely fair reflection. Very similar to how they handled the Rams, in fact, a few weeks ago. Yeah. They, they stomped them. You know, they, rose the, they, they raised the game because they were playing a better team and they stomped them. Clearly yeah, stomped yeah. them. Everyone, everything's clicking. By my question, Mal, well, again, I've probably mentioned this every week now, but before the season was whether there a few of the players that they brought in that you think... Well, these could go either way, in the you know, mm. um, you know Watts and uh, AJ, AJ Green, Green. Yeah. And so, but they yeah, they have all risen to it, and everyone else they thought well they're going to be on the right trajectory as well. Are following that, are following, all all their players are just performing very well, and of course, I don't know if there's anything particularly, Max Wien goes down for the year, and they've brought in Zach Ertz now. Well, so yeah, we'll are they going to be even, yeah, another, even better? Uh, well, yeah, another uh, another talented piece in that offense. I think. It's exciting to see because Warren well, maybe not feel the same way him being a fan of the 49ers, but we've always had a relatively soft spot for the Cardinals and ever since they got to the Super Bowl against the Steelers and were unlucky in that game. and You know, it is good to see. It's good to see when the plan comes in. And obviously, Callum Murray is an exciting player and it's something that you want to you want to embrace in the NFL. It's, it's not the same old, same old down there, is it? It's a little bit different. It's a little bit exciting. Yeah, for sure. And, and actually just disrupting that AFC West, which certainly looks... Upside down. No, I won't go that far because Seahawks on the bottom is probably not. Um, it certainly isn't upside down, but uh, it certainly looks a lot less. I think the way everyone sort of figured this that division was going to go, despite saying that look, the four teams aren't that far apart, it certainly didn't feel like Arizona were going to be streaking ahead of six and zero. And I mean, the Seahawks have their own you know issues. Obviously, with Geno Smith coming in for a few it weeks. Does seem like every team's got their own issues right now. Well, they? yeah, yeah, it has been. It's been a weird week, hasn't it? But. Um, yeah, that, that AFC West has suddenly become a bit less predictable. It doesn't look like... I don't know if it is the best division in football at the moment. I don't, it just doesn't feel that way when you look at the way sort of the Cardinals have dominated and are you know, obviously the number one in the power rankings. So, um, oh, they? But it's like, you know, I think the AFC North team looks a bit stronger. Or it, it's, a bit, it's quite strange that I, I, you'd have felt the, the West was just the best by a long way, but maybe not so much now. The way a few of the other teams just... Perhaps uh, not got out of the traps as well as you know Arizona have absolutely gone off. And fair play to them. I'll tell you another team has gone off though, and um, the Dallas Cowboys right now. You're you're quite, I think you're quite optimistic now, aren't you, about this Dallas Cowboys offense? So you want? You, I know you're no fan uh, of Mike McCarthy, are you? Well, no, you think there's a staleness to that man and and whatever he touches that he permeates it. And obviously last year didn't go well for him, but it's starting to look like it didn't go well for him. Because that went down injured and that was it. Well, yeah, I mean, I still, I'll, I'll probably never move on this even if he goes out and wins another, <laughs> another title. But um, I still, I still probably you don't trust it. Yeah, it's in spite of him. Um, <laughs> it probably isn't. But but this offer, I mean, it's so talented across the board, and we just knew, like, it coming you know, Dak has. We knew the talent he had, and and not just. 
not just you know physically and all this, but he's clearly like mentally absolutely switched on and, and deals with so every every sort of question that's put in front of me, he answers it perfectly on, on the field. So that's a huge part of it. The talent he's got around him is insane. But I mean, his numbers for the season at the moment, he's just playing absolutely right out. He's seventy three point one percent. He's MVP favorite, isn't he? Well, yeah, him and Kyler, I guess, are two front ones, aren't they? Yeah. Um, 16 touchdowns, only a four interceptions on that, 1,800 yards. His average, his rating's 115.0. Um, I mean, there's, well, he's just short of 450 in this game. Very, <laughs> he's just, but everything goes right for him. And, and you've got, I mean, I'm, I'm slight, I don't think uh, uh, Zeke, is, um, his return has been as... Uh, that's fantastic. I think a lot of people have written up about his back, 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 but he's certainly more of enough. You know, he's more more than enough of a threat to take people's eyes off uh, you know, everything else that's going around them. It's just that offense at the minute is unstoppable. To put, I mean, I think I'll able, I I sort of question you know going into Foxborough. Obviously, it's not what it was. Yeah, no, yeah, you tried to try and spin it the narrative because you wanted to talk about the Cowboys. Yeah. But it's still, <laughs> yeah, it's not the test it was. But they have, they are one of the better defence and they have been. You know. They've, Traditionally, you have been. Yeah, and, and this season. They're smart like, at the very least. But this season, you know, these stifle teams, you, you sort of think, you know, Belichick way is, uh, I'll take, you know, whatever your best weapon is, I'll, we'll take that away. Mm. Like, well, I'd love to see what his notes on what. I, I like to know he certainly what, didn't choose CD Lamb, did he? Well, I'd like to know who he thinks the Cowboys' best weapon is, because I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, mate. I think, yeah, to some extent, this offence might is the only thing that's going to stop it is itself, isn't it, really? You know, it's firing an all summers at the moment. I think the running back game, I think he's. Better not just because of Zeke obviously bouncing back a little bit because they've got a two-headed monster in there mm-hmm. with Pollard now. I think it's phenomenal. Obviously, so many different options to pass to offensive line that's had a bit of a renaissance. This is the NFC's team we thought we'd see last year. It is, and they're doing it this year. Um, so far, Matt McCarthy has kind of stayed out of the way, hasn't he? Really, it's Kellen Moore's offense. This it really is. Well, that's what I mean. He could be. <laughs> The next head coach to do it. He's just not going to get the credit, is he, Mike McCarthy? Yeah, it? well, that, I think that's like you say. They could, the only way this can possibly really go wrong, injuries aside, is if Mike McCarthy starts meddling too much. If he, if he thinks he can tweak or help or whatever, and he, and he starts derailing. I mean, also, they have been balanced nicely with their defense. Now, this is a. I think there's going to be a drop off in this opportunistic defense. You know, Trayvon Diggs, who we haven't really mentioned in this podcast yet, picks a side. Picks aside, he's, the, he's got 10, 11 picks this season already. That's four more than the next person. And he has the most picks in the first 18 games of anyone's career in history by a mile. Um, but the picks Sorry, aside... Yeah, that's not going to sustain, is it? <laughs> the picks aside, Traylon Diggs is ostensibly an underperforming cornerback. He has the he's given up the fourth most yards in the NFL. He was, he was he's really given the fourth, most penalties away in the NFL. Um, for the and the minute he took that that pick away against the Patriots, the very play afterwards, he gave up a seventy-five yard touchdown. Yeah, I was gonna say he was, he was at fault for that, which you know game tying effectively. When the takeaway, when the interceptions dry up for him, and they will, things might look a lot different for that unit. That puts a little bit more pressure on the offense. Then we'll see what they're made of. But you cannot argue if you're a Cowboys fan at all about the way that the things have started for this team. It's exactly what you expect to see when you see them drafting all these big name players. It's all coming together for them, and I don't actually mind it. You know, there's something a bit gaudy about the Cowboys. Sometimes it's a bit off-putting. As it should be. But at his heart, Jerry Jones is a football-loving man, and you can see it, he bleeds it. Hmm. And it's just—I mean, this is just—they're just fun to watch. Ultimately, it's actually not unlike the start of last season when, when they were putting on. 
I think I think they're averaging thirty five points a game um, last season, or sort of similar to. Yeah, they had big scores, but I think it's almost because they were trying to keep up. Yeah, probably like that. But uh, but until Pesco went down, they were like, could, could keep rolling with this. This offense was again the not quite you know greatest show on turf, but not you know far away. No. Uh, we'll differ on that. I don't think Andy Dalton really um, <laughs> can kept the bandwagon. No, before rolling. yeah, he didn't keep. No, I mean, I mean before before Dak went down, okay. they that's what I'm saying. They were averaging thirty five points a game because they just kept did and however many yards a game. It was, it was ridiculous at the start of last season and just the way they played. And as soon as he went down, all the all the cracks uh, became very obvious. <laughs> do we want? Do you before I move on? Do you want to give any praise to what I would consider a breakout and Gritty performance by Matt Jones. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Matt, he was excellent. He, he outscored him on the passer rating. Did nothing if nothing else. Um, did you see the hit he took from Randy Gregory? Bust his chin open. I think it was absolutely brutal. Tell you the only thing I don't like about Matt Jones is his um, hot sound, whatever that's called. Yeah, play with. Hey, it's Ugh. cadence. Yeah, annoys the hell out of me. Is it too is it too gruff? Really or? raspy, very loud. I don't like it. He does look like a, a guy who's not quite finished going through puberty yet. Uh, yeah, yeah, his voice doesn't match the face at all. Anyway, side issue. <laughs> yeah, that minor uh, <laughs> irritation aside, Sam. Other than that, I think he's been excellent. I, I mean, there's a lot of talk now, isn't that? You know, why aren't they, like, why aren't they really opening the playbook for him? And it would certainly be interesting to see him take a few more deep I've got shots. I've to be honest, I've not seen too much of it to think that they haven't already done that. Is that definitely a thing? I mean, he's not taking too many deep shots, is he? It seems it still seems fairly conservative in the way they go, they're going about building games. Up. Maybe something to do with adjustment Daniel's offense. It's not like Brady took a lot of deep shots, really, when he was with the Patriots. They had six cheeky little scripted plays for that kind of thing, but it wasn't like he was. I guess so. Eyes downfield. There was obviously a lot of Dinkin dunk with Edelman and, and Wes Welker, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think um, if, if you look at Mac Jones, I think he's everything they wanted when they drafted him. And for a rookie quarterback, you know, rookie quarterback, the way you know his reads and his accuracy is is off the charts. Really, it's just probably not quite as exciting as uh, you know, real sort of breakout rookie season might otherwise be. But um, and our, I think our bullishness on the Patriots uh, pre-season was probably a season too early. I think. Do we know what rating? What what the record is currently? Is it two and four? The Patriots? Uh, yeah, two or four, I think. They're, I know they're currently, I think they've got, come to, um, oh boy, what was it? Uh, 365, whatever they're called. I've forgotten. Bet, bet 365? No, not 365. Um, How are we getting on here? Doesn't matter. A, a certain website who does lots of sports uh, <laughs> uh, numbers. Oh, what they call um PFF? PFF. This is good. Uh, this is terrible. Next gen stats? No, it wasn't next gen stats. Uh, um, uh, three thirty. Uh, something thirty-five. Yeah. Uh, I can't even think of the. Uh, yeah. uh, this is not. <laughs> this is terrible. It's the, it's, the, it's the worst podcast we've ever done. This now. is you've, awful. You've, you've now. Ruined, ruined it. it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is. You know what this is mostly about? It's about the fact that you. Do, the, there's a point in, in this podcast where you thought. Fuck it, I don't care on a podcast. The fact that this is burning a hole in my head is more important than how, how this podcast this, sounds. Yeah, and I'm not going to get it through oh. <laughs> you, it. Your phone's just in me. Have a, go, have a little Google. Called, I know the guy who runs it. He's called Nate. Well, I don't know him. Um, <laughs> he's called Nate Silver. They do um, like I, I know. I know what it is. I'm not telling you what it is. It's quite amusing. Um, <laughs> ultimately, like, the Patriots will be fine. 538. <laughs> 538. 
538 got them down at 25% to make the uh, playoffs. Is that higher than you thought or lower? Uh, the point is it's achievable. Yeah. Uh, a lot of teams have not got, Miami Dolphins, for have not got achievable ones. Um, but I thought it would be higher, you know, six weeks ago. But, um. <laughs> well, you and me both, mate, you and me both. Um, talking about quarterbacks we're impressed with, quarterbacks we like, Another guy you might find a little bit difficult to like right now, depending on where you stand on him, is Aaron Rodgers. And he has no concerns splitting opinion whatsoever, does he, this man? None uh, whatsoever. Uh, the question you asked for this uh, section was, is there anyone Aaron Rodgers isn't trying to stick it to? And I think, quite frankly, nobody's off the table. Everyone's fair game. Rival teams, fans, his own team, head coach, front of it. Even his family in the past had been on, on, on the ticket if he wanted him to be. It was his brother who tried to have a career in the media based on the fact that he had the same surname as Rogers and Rogers took offence to it. You know, uh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a few question marks over his family <laughs> stuff, isn't there? But we won't go into that. But uh, he's just, it's just a ridiculous chip on his shoulder. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just impressive to watch. Like, you know, he can still throw. Uh, Aesthetically, what's your favourite Aaron Rodgers? Is it current... Truck driver Aaron Rodgers, or uh, he's not even truck driver because he's got a bit gone. I think he's not like um, you'll find him in the mountains with his legs crossing his fingers, like in Zen pose. Aaron Rodgers, yeah, I don't like his hair there. No, did you, you like it when he had a little bit of a mullet? Did you like it when he had that like weird goatee that made him look a bit sinister? I think he's got a bit slightly short hair than he is now, isn't he? Over the four beards, maybe four years ago, I think he was, yeah, peak Aaron Rodgers. Well, um, certainly in his look, but now I would argue he's as good as he's ever been on the field. Uh, yeah, for, I mean, certainly no worse than he's ever been. Um, but this was just uh, <laughs> the main reason we're bringing this up is just to talk about that uh, the touchdown he ran in. It's <laughs> the only reason why you concocted. I love it. I, I, it's almost like I can, I've started to see right for your WhatsApp message. Here's the rundown. All right, he wants to talk about that. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, we could talk about how I, in fact, don't owe an apology to Chicago. Um, <laughs> the three and three. That was a relief. Got a better record than New England. Well, they don't deserve it anyway <laughs> three and three maybe but they I mean they were I'm surprised they dragged this game out as long as they did but they, I don't think they were really too much in it uh, but when I was just ran, ran that ball and doing his uh, championship belt celebration uh, and obviously and then picked up on the mic <laughs> the corner so revealed I own you I fucking own you I've always owned you <laughs> <laughs> He was asked afterwards why he said that. He apparently said he just blacked out and looked up and saw a woman flipping in the double bird. <laughs> so he just went off on one. <laughs> Which, of course, reminds me of my favourite ever story about watching Preston North End versus Blackpool in the cult. We were in a division lower than Blackpool at the time. They had Paul Ince and Tom Ince. Paul Ince manager Tom Ince on the field. And we we scored a late-minute winner. And, I, and as the game finally blew, a guy had been sat in front of me with his two daughters outside and a shirt on the back that said, Number one, Dad. Ran onto the pitch, got down between both Tom and Paul Ince, squatted and did the double wanker sign. <laughs> <laughs> it just reminded me of that when he said it. One each. <laughs> um, no, fair enough. I, I found it very amusing, but he just, he just seemed to you know, ram that the nicey phone about. <laughs> like, he's got his chip on his shoulder, and he just really he just He obviously feels one Super Bowl is enough, and that, uh, he, needs to, he needs to win another. He needs to remind everyone that, yeah, I am the greatest of all time, despite... Uh, what you may think, and uh, I mean, it's a joy to watch, really. Unless you were obviously a Chicago fan or something well, against not, Aaron Rodgers. Well, yeah, it's not just that, is it? Like 
Rogers obviously simply plays better when he's a man on a mission. He knows that. His team knows that. He also knows he's a man with a considerable collateral right now. He doesn't doesn't have to pander to anybody. He can say what he likes, do exactly as he pleases. For the time being, him and the Packers' desires, they're aligned, aren't they? Things are fine. Things will get interesting when that changes, of course, much like in the off-season. And it will be a yearly off-season drama with, with Rodgers. About well, this, this is his last year in Green Bay, isn't it? Could be, very much so. And I and I had to win a Super Bowl. That, that contract's geared to let him escape, and he clearly wants to. I mean, he probably does by now. But, I mean, only he will know and only he will do And he, he could very well do as he wants. He could stick around and piss off the Chicago Bear fans for a little bit longer. Do you know what I think he's going to do? What? He's going to rock up in Detroit. He'll obviously <laughs> need somebody fixing that quarterback. Uh, <laughs> An excellent segue there, Samuel. I did enjoy that. And he's just, I don't like the way you call it Detroit. Well, that's like like it's got saying. double E's. I know, that's like saying Detroit. But I know, yes, yeah. Detroit. I know, no. it probably annoys Even me. that song? Because I think they say that a little bit on that song, don't they? Put your I love Detroit. Detroit. Put your hands up for Detroit. Oh, Freddie Grand. Oh, last from the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they are going to be looking for a quarterback again, I think. And uh, what better way to stick it to the Green Bay? <laughs> the good Ted over <laughs> Don the, the Honolulu Blue. Turn the Lions into a <laughs> Super Bowl winning franchise. So you're all out on uh, Jared Goff then, Sam, is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know. It's not just me, is it? There's Dan Campbell. Uh, who else? Um... I mean, this was in. Obviously, it wasn't. Well, I was going to say it wasn't vintage Jared Goff. It probably was vintage Jared Goff. Before I was going to say for the line, but it was, it was interesting that Dan Campbell, uh, you know, straight talking, uh, shoot from the hip. Dan Campbell digging out his quarterback six games in. Yeah, I mean, but the, and he's a, he needs to do better. He needs to. Do, but my question would be, well, why did you sign him? You knew. He's not doing anything you've not seen him do before. Yeah, well, this thing's that I, I took offence to this question, Sam, because with Dan Campbell calling out Jared Goff, is it fair to ask why he signed him in the first place? Yeah. No, it isn't fair. Why not? Because he wasn't. He didn't go out and sign him. Matthew Stafford wanted out. New regime in place in Detroit. Decade plus service. It's like a fruitless cause. I think it was only right that Stafford's request was granted okay. to, leave the ta- to, leave, to leave town. The Rams come in with this blockbuster offer of which the picks acquired alone was more than enough compensation for, for Matthew Stafford. I think it was a fantastic deal for both teams. To sweeten the deal, the Lions took Goff in return. A couple of reasons that. One, LA avoids any kind of quarterback drama, don't they? They don't have Goff sat on the bench. Stafford, who, while obviously won't lose position for poor performance, might lose it to injury and Goff's back mm-hmm. in and out and he looks right and mug for it. You know, they don't have two massive deal quarterbacks and massive deals on the team. So, obviously, Detroit shares some of the costs. And let's face it, the Lions have fuck all else to throw out there. They have nothing. Why Why not see what you have in Goff before moving on whenever you choose? You know, they've got that extra draft capital in 2021 and beyond. So, they can cash the chips in. They can go and get their own quarterback. Um, if they don't think Goff's the guy, they can just give, basically give them a year-long audition. At this rate, it's probably better he totally stinks. Or he is the next Matthew Stafford, isn't it? And if he was doing a bit better, and the Lions were like breaking even at 500, some middling 8 and 9 record when it comes to the season, that would probably be the worst outcome. I would argue there's two reasons for this, right? One, he's a bit annoyed with how Goff performed. He wants better out of it. Dan Campbell likes to sound like he's doing something in press conferences. Mm-hmm. But also, I think there's a sneaky little bit of... Uh, 
gamesmanship here because you know who the Lions are playing this week, don't you? Yeah, the Rams, yeah. Take a little revenge game, put a little light of fire on him. I mean, he doesn't look like the guy who would even notice if his ass was on fire, does it, to be quite honest? Well, unless Sean Ray tells her about it. Um, <laughs> <With> the... <laughs> yeah, that, might, that might help. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the nature of that question was just the, for the team Dan Campbell seems to want as well. He just, I, I perhaps he went in knowing, like you say, it was a good deal, the picks alone. Mm. It's fine, and, and why go out and try and find anything it's else? It's your narrative, but yeah, go on. But also, you know, this isn't the quarterback he wants, is it? Like, realistically. Um, I, think, I think we knew this. Before. I don't, at this stage, I don't, I don't think Jerry Goff's the quarterback that anybody wants. And I that's just the way it is, isn't well, it? Well, maybe so. But it just felt like, you know, it, it's not the, you know, not the style of quarterback even that, um, you know, he wants in that style of team that he's trying to build. I think uh, I think he knew this going into it and his patience has run out on week six. I mean, rightly so. Zero wins in six weeks is going to do that to you, aren't they? The, the Lions look like a team that they will play up to the opposition and play down to their opposition. They're just not a very good football team. Um, we've, I think we discussed this before the podcast. We all hope that Dan Campbell has the tactical nous, the team building, the coaching up ability to make players better, to go alongside all the rest of it, the discipline, the people buying into his scheme, mm-hmm. You know, the culture that he'll definitely improve there. Um, but we don't know if he has that yet. Um, we won't find out under Jared Goff, and quite likely is a one and done season in Detroit. It was a real, it was a real kick in the teeth this one, because even though they were, you know still winless, it, it felt like you know a couple of those wins have been <laughs> sort of really picked out the jaws of victory, haven't they? So sorry, a couple of those losses have been dropped out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so and for this one, for them to get absolutely flattened was. Uh, it's like a backward step. Yeah, it really was. Uh, you can understand why he was annoyed. Mm-hmm. Final thing on the rundown before we get to your lovely uh, college corner, Sam. Um, you asked the question, what's the deal in Minnesota? And I don't know what you're banging on about, quite frankly. What, what's, what's your problem? Uh, what, what are they about? I've I, I sort of added to this. You can also say what, what, what's going on in Carolina as well. Two, three and three teams. Yeah. Going in with you know, a fantastic game, it was great fun and, and but back and forth and everything. But what are these two teams? I can't get my head the tail of either of them. I don't really understand the question. The Vikings are everything I expected them to be this season, Sam. They can hang with the majority of teams on offense. The defense is full of holes as it was 12 months ago. Three and three is about right for a team that some of us thought would float in the playoffs. Was it you or so Wardy threw him in in the playoffs? I think it was Wardy because of Captain Kirk, wasn't it? But they're far from complete. If, if your argument is they're underperforming, I contest they got beaten by a field goal from the much-improved Bengals in week one, and they pushed the undefeated Cardinals closer than any team have been able to do so this season. If you're arguing that they're overperforming, I suggest they squeak past the Lions by two points. Well, exactly. This is the point. They kind of play well and lose, play badly and win. You think, oh, sometimes they look, look like a real... They're a team with flaws. They're, t- they're a one-sided team who can, who can mix up on offense but can't defense. Exactly. Are, to, to Both these the teams just feel like they can't put... 60 minutes together let alone to, to quote the words of former Vikings head coach Dennis Green who said this when he was a Cardinals head coach they are exactly who we thought they are I, I guess so I don't know every week look at the Vikings look at the score is their inconsistency annoying you is that basically you'd rather they were shit than they would be than but it's the inconsistency within <laughs> within the Sunday evening <laughs> now flipping it to the Panthers they are consistent they won the first three games they lost the last second three <laughs> 
What is it? I mean, Minnesota won. They've reached their peak and they've fallen off, aren't they? I don't know if it's going to be like all season. We, we all love Matt Rule. Well, Sam Darnold's uh, going through his lot of struggles again, hasn't he? Having set off, well, not quite like a train, but you know, well enough. I think the Panthers are probably realising what the Jets realised in a certain level to Sam Darnold, and that's, you're not going to elevate that even with uh, an offensive genius such as Joe Brady. Maybe you are, maybe you get more good days than bad days, but they're certainly, they're certainly not out of the woods with him. He doesn't. He doesn't feel uh, smart enough, does he? Uh, not in football terms. I mean, I don't. I don't it's, the, the Panthers are a, a growing team. They're probably the opposite to the Vikings in that regard. The Vikings are feel like a team who have been there in the upper echelons of the of the NFC North and the playoff mix, and obviously they went to the uh, NFC Championship game a few years ago. They're probably a little bit on the way down. Certainly, the defense is significant change need happening on that defense. The Panthers, they're building something. They feel they're close as well. They're obviously, you know, they're, they're throwing out draft picks and collecting, um, you know, uh, CJ Henderson and Stephon Gilmore for the cornerbacks. I feel that defense really good. Um, so, and then, again, there might be an inverse there where the defense is the leading aspect of the team and their offense is slowing them down. But let's not forget, you know, they have injuries as well at wide receiver. They. I think there's quite a noticeable drop up when they traded Dan Arnold to the Jaguars for CJ Henderson. He was Sam Darnold's release valve, wasn't he? A little bit of tight end. So there's that to pay. I don't. I think you're not going to get any answers at the end of the season with these two teams. I think one of them is going to be nine and eight, and the other one's going to be eight and nine. You tell me which one. Well, exactly. This is my, this. That's what I'm saying. What's with them? But why are you upset about this? Because every year there's teams this you're like this. Well, they played each other this week and very apparent. Especially, <laughs> especially the way that game went. You know, it's just like, well, I don't even... You sound like a man who watched it and wished he hadn't. It's, I, couldn't, I didn't know what to make of it. Was, it, was it on Sky Sports? No, no, no. I didn't mean to watch the full thing. I really the highlights were all these sort of come back to it. I don't understand why all this thing, all these things have happened. It, the Panthers have definitely improved from last year. And I keep getting that vibe with both of them. But you feel like the Panthers... Is, is a suppose, an improvement on Bridgewater... Probably a little bit, but not much. Not enough, anyway. Certainly so, not enough. And it probably goes against your belief that you can get by with, a, you know, the quarterbacks aren't quite as important as you think they are. Because I think if Panthers had a, an elite quarterback, they would be, uh, you know, close to maybe five and one. Maybe I think if CMC was still fit, they'd. Have, yeah, um, that's also a possibility. Too. Would also be true. So, um, no, I. It, they frustrate me week in, week out, the pair of these two teams. Where you say, <laughs> and you're not putting up with it any longer. They got called out. And it was it's just it was very obvious in this game. <laughs> uh, this week, as they both went 3-3 three and three in this that stupid game. Well, you know, entertaining game, but it was kind of stupid. Um, I thought you might have some answers, but if you don't... I, I did have some answers. I told you exactly what they are. That's all, You don't like the outcome of what they are, but that's what they are. Oh, well, well, wind it in, Sam. Take a breath. And uh, we'll, I think we've boxed off the NFL nicely, haven't we? We yeah, we for could, another week. We could go for another hour. We, what we're at week we went. seven already. Insane. But uh, you know where we're not? We're in week eight in college football, mate. So take us for a little stroll down Acroyd Avenue. We're gonna rock down to Acroyd Avenue. Thank you very much. And we'll start where I always love to start. Normal service regime for the Crimson <laughs> Tide. Uh, 49-9 over Mississippi State. Uh, Bryce Young with 348 yards, four scores. John Mechie took seven receptions, 417 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Battle uh, with a couple of picks, one return to the house. Uh, a few names to remember there for you, Simon. And when it comes to 
uh, watching game tape. Obviously, uh, Jameson Williams, another one for you. Julie Nolte, mate, thank you very much for naming yeah. all the obvious ones from Alabama. Appreciate no it. No problem. Uh, well, problem is, I, I wrote this thinking Wardy was going to be here. Uh. So, be <laughs> so it's a bit ABC, isn't uh, it? Yeah, but all, yeah, all the names from Alabama are obvious. Of course they are. Uh, anyway, speaking of normal service being resumed, yeah. Oklahoma State 32, Texas 24. No need for that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, after last week's defeat to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State put an end to the Longhorns' stint in the top 25. Uh, but a bit of consolation for you, uh, B. John Robinson clocking his 600-yard rushing game of the season. He should be a Heisman troll for you. Um, He's in the conversation for he sure. He is, but he won't get it. Probably not. No, because he's on a bad team, and that uh, makes a mockery. That speaks to my friend uh, Ollie Hodgkinson from uh, PFN. He, he he called them a fraud, an absolute fraud. Well, I mean, there's there's other there's other players who may may not, yeah, be in that conversation as well, and perhaps more equally deserving. We'll say at this stage. Uh, anyway, further consolation for you here, Simon. Yeah. Uh, as Cincinnati turned over UCF fifty six twenty one at home. Yes, they did. Um, impressive win for the Bearcats. Obviously, Desmond Ritter taking a bit of a back seat in this as. Another Heisman possibility, maybe. Running back at Jerome Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, another big day, big day, picking up 189 yards. 189 yards, nine and a half average. This was a, this was, this was a game that was mooted to be one of the biggest contests later in the season. Well, in mid-season, shall we say, mm-hmm. uh, early in the season. But UCF had so many injuries and they've been inconsistent that it kind of fell away a little bit. And by the time kickoff rolled around, I think we all knew that it was going to be a 50-burger from Cincinnati. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, four touchdowns for Jerome Ford as well. So, is he in the Heisman conversation? It's not my conversation, but uh, not as much as Bijan is, put it that way. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, next up, and this was uh, obviously Bearcats pushing that big four, trying to get to cement themselves in there, helped not a small amount by Purdue, who saw off Iowa 24-7. What a shocker! Boilermakers continue to have the wood over Iowa. I think this is a... Third winning four years over them, or maybe fourth and no five. Team in the, no unranked team in the history of the uh, college football has beaten the second ranked team more often than Purdue has. That's a great stat. It's a great stat. They, I don't know if you remember a few years ago when Rondell Moore, who's now at the Cardinals, mm-hmm. absolutely torched Ohio State. That was two or three years ago. I think it was two years ago. Did the same thing to Iowa, who looked a shell of themselves on defence and looked exactly what they've been looking like on offence. Well, yeah, the two defences pretty much swapped roles, didn't they? P- Purdue uh, picked off Spencer Petrus. I'm going to say it's Petrus. It Petrus. There we go. Four times. Um, and Iowa allowed their most passing yards in five years. I mean, that's how we turn around. Anyway, uh, Purdue's quarterback, Aidan O'Connell, was absolutely superb. 30 for 40. Uh, 375 yards. Two scores. Most of which went through David Bell, who had a career day with 240 yards. David Bell is the next Rondale Moore. Now, just a little note on Purdue. It is in Indiana. It is nowhere near anything. It is very difficult to recruit, recruit players to Purdue. I think it's in Lafayette in Indiana. A couple, okay. uh, couple of great names come out of Purdue, aren't they? So, come to the current era, Jeff Brom, head coach there. He's managed to bring in players like Rondell Moore, David Bell, George Kalaftis, who you want to keep an eye on on the defence, possibly the best defensive player in the college football. How he does that? Because, because what? The certain man in Oregon is might be going number one over <laughs> but, <okay. laughs> but uh my point still stands, he's doing a fantastic job and they are in fact sneaking to the rankings, don't they, this week? Uh you don't have to look, they do. I haven't got them written down. Twenty fourth or twenty fifth. Um 
that's a, a terrible oversight on my part. I should have started collecting now. Anyway, next up, finishing off, uh, round off the top five uh, teams, we have TCU 31, Oklahoma were ranked fourth, 52. Um, confirmation here that Spencer rattled, as I am now going to call him. It <laughs> uh, won't be featuring near the top of any draft boards in April. Uh, Caleb Williams got his first start for the Sooners following last week's heroics. Uh, against, who was it against? Shuttle. Name escapes me. Uh, anyway, threw four touchdowns, rushed for a fifth. And performance to cement his role as starter. He's 19 and 23, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, I've not got that well, number with me, but I'm sure that's like correct. To hear so, uh, basically, the fans wanted the backup to come in and take over. The <laughs> coach relented. And uh, who knew uh, backup quarterbacks are better than the starting quarterbacks? <laughs> well, Oklahoma, apparently they are. Um, Honourable mention here for the Horn Frog, uh, Quentin Johnson. Took seven catches, racking up 185 yards and three scores. Nice. Numbers to remember. Well done, Quentin. Uh, and then last of the top five, obviously, Georgia still at number one. Seeing off Kentucky, uh, who, are, who were ranked 11th, no longer. Uh, 30-13 in the backyard. Uh, comfortably number one in the nation, no question. It is says it? how good they are that you think about Kentucky. That's a pretty damn good loss. 30-13. Yeah, yeah, clinging on, I suppose. <laughs> but, you know, they have their own questions. Georgia, JT Daniels can't stay on the field, so Stetson Bennett's the man there. Stetson Bennett looking very comfortable, to be fair. He's so. brilliant. Um, he's, he's playing another good backup quarterback. But, yeah, still all about the D, isn't it, who allowed only their third touchdown of the season, uh, despite the Kentucky offence being on the field for near enough 40 minutes. They could certainly get one touchdown out of all that. Well, they are... They are they, I always thought they had a good defence. They... Compared to George's, it is slim pickings. And yeah, there's a lot of these boys will be in the NFL next year, aren't they? To be fair. Um, anyway, a couple of fun games uh, round off here. Start, we'll start off with a, a bit of classic ding dong in Baton Rouge. Nice. Uh, Florida, who were 20th in the rankings. Somehow. Again. Uh, 42, LSU 49. 942 yards between the uh, Gators and the Tigers here, with 287 of them going to and LSU's running back. Ty Davis Price. You know what that is, don't you? School record. Go on. Or is he a Texas boy? Isn't nice, because Florida said, we're taking away the pass. Well, the footballers. So LSU went, okay, we will. And that's pretty much what happened. And they really did. Anyway, <laughs> three, three touchdowns. Um, yeah, as well as seeding the, the field to Davis Price, Florida also gave up four interceptions, uh, one for a score, uh, and one to end the game as well, which... Uh, yeah, well, he spo- that's... Uh, Emery Jones, the quarterback, and he's supposed to be moving on to his backup, who I believe is called Anthony Robinson. I might be wrong about that. Um, but they might lose him if they don't move to him because he's a very talented quarterback. But the big story coming out of this, of course, is that uh, Ed Orgeron will uh, be seen out the season with LSU, but then he's done. Away. He's done. Despite It looked like that was going to be on the cards last week, and despite having a win this week, they decided that to part ways at the end of the season. He's lost his way a little bit since the, the Natty win in Baton Rouge. But, uh, There's been some off-field he's, issues. In LSU some off-field well. issues a little bit. Yeah, obviously, you know, he's, he's rolling, what would you say, not hiding, but ignoring issues pertaining to Darius Geis. Also, he, him and his wife split up not long after the National Championship. He's... Rumours have it, certainly from the Athletic, that um, he's been spending a lot more time interested in females rather than his football team. Uh, so maybe he's just lost a little bit of focus, but um, Ed Ogeron will remain a legend yeah. in well, the without doubt. I, think, I mean, it's a hell of a drop-off, isn't it, when you think about where they are now. To, to oh, they've got some key injuries as well. Like the whole secondary's gone. But two uh, years Keishon ago... Butte, the best wide receiver's gone. Two years ago, they had near enough the best team... They did to play the game. But they also had near enough two of the best two of the best coordinators in uh, Joe Brady, who's That's obviously cool. doing wonders at Carolina, and Dave Aranda, who's doing a phenomenal job as head coach at Baylor now. Well, there you are. But uh, yeah, certainly a, 
that kind of drop off doesn't help anything along with all the as you've mentioned, off-field stuff. Uh, and then one last one, Simon. Ole Miss, 31, 10, well, 13th going into this. Tennessee, Volunteers, 26. Uh, this one basically got really interesting, as we referred to a bit earlier <laughs> in the pod. Uh, in the final minute, when a tight spot ooh, tight spot on fourth down mm-hmm. uh, got overruled. Didn't it? Um, fourth and 27, this was. Fourth and 27. It looked like we got all 27. but It looked like we got 26 and a half to most people, unless they were wearing orange in the stands. I think. It looked, I think they got 27 and they spotted it badly. Anyway. So you're you're backing up all those fans, are you? I think they were, and their behaviour? I think they were right to be... Aggrieved. <laughs> uh, anyway, this was you know attempt to win the game. Didn't quite pay off. Uh, and yeah, a lot of the crowd not best pleased with it. Uh, and decided to demonstrate this displeasure by throwing a load of trash at uh, Lane Kiffin. And why were they throwing it at Lane Kiffin? Because, uh, a little bit of history there, isn't there? Like, um, <laughs> Basically, not forgiven for walking out on uh, on Tennessee after uh, after one year, uh, you know, for the bright lights of USC. Yeah, tell you what, you uh, do your research. I think yeah, I think you think it's just thrown together, Sam. But you know, occasionally, uh, I mean, you know, you've got a pad and a pen. Of course um, you do. But it's a good fun. Oh, obviously, along with the usual, uh, you know, drinks bottles and blah blah blah. There's also to be seen a bottle of French's mustard. Yeah, which, which is a superb mustard to go with any hot dog. There's rumours about this. Either they just run to the concession stand, grabbed it, and lobbed it. Yeah. Or People who have it in the bags and just just like as if it's some kind of shopping, it's actually full of like whiskey or whatever. Could be that, but why you won't be chucking that? Um, <laughs> but it might be empty by that stage of the game, I suppose. Yeah. But maybe uh, Tennessee's concession stands have some knockoff mustard that they just decant into, you know, the owner of the trick. Yeah. Yeah. Decant that into something looking possible, it's the cheapest one they can get. And he's like, oh, I'm putting all that shout out, bring my Frenchies with me. Could be, uh, yeah, that's my, I like that. That's, that's, a, that's a good shout. Either way, that was on the field, as was uh, a golf ball, which I mean, hit the field fire. Uh, <laughs> Lane Kiffin, not Ned, did That's yeah. the most sinister part of it, isn't it? The golf ball's a bit weird, isn't it? Because yeah. someone's brought that into throw at Lane Kiffin. There's no other reason to have a golf ball on you. You might have just come from the. There's course. no reason to have a golf ball on you. You could have just come off the course. You when, could I was, be... when I was a student, I, I had a job as a security guard at Old Trafford purely because John Perton's a Cockney Red and Neverson United and my mate hooked us up with a job so we could go and see United for the first time. We we um, stewarded a game against Chelsea where United lost 3-0. We were on the door patting people down. Um, this one guy was patted down by a, a, a senior person as he was walking in. He grabbed him by the hood and reached into his hood and he had a snooker ball in his hood. These, well, that's different. These people... It's not different from a golf ball, really. It's not. I mean, it's a bit heavier. That's less excuse. That's less. This guy could have just come off the pitch and put bollocks. Bollocks. Forgot he had it there. Someone took a golf ball to lob at Lane Kiffin. You thought fuck Lane Kiffin and what he did to if us. Forgot it. Ha- if you got it, had it there, and someone was like, "Hang on, I'm a bit annoyed. I'm a bit upset with you here, Sam." <laughs> Tennessee fans are disgraced. The team has been fined two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Right, right. For as much as it's been a lot of fun, the worst scenes are like you know the cheerleaders on both sides having to run off with the. Cheerleading balls over the head and stuff, and that's not right at all. Um, but Lane Kiffin's fair game. Limited sympathy for <laughs> oh my bad man, Lane Kiffin. Um, no, so, yeah, some of it's good fun, some of it isn't. But it, it they they tipped it tipped the balance there for Tennessee certainly, as I'm sure it did at Tottenham as well. Um, anyway, they were all first in the field. Eventually came back out um, when they did Tennessee looking feisty, keeping uh, Matt Corral. Matt Corral. Yeah. I prefer Cole, though. It sounds better. No, it's not. I know it's not. It sounds better. There's two R's. Anyway, um, but yeah, kept him behind the line of scrimmage, uh, encouraged, encouraged another shower of drinks bottles, uh, forcing a few sherries into the stands, grabbing collars. Um, anyway, ran out of time, basically. 
they only had 30 seconds left when they got the ball back and they couldn't quite manage the clock well enough. Um, and Ole Miss escape with the W and uh, you know just about their dignity intact. Well, you know, as much as Tennessee have got a lot to answer for, head coach, new head coach Josh Heupel down there has done a good job to flipping things around. I think we should also give a little comment to Auburn and their new head coach Brian Harsin for turning things around and making Bonix look absolutely well, almost almost draftable as a quarterback. Right, they they beat Arkansas. They um, See how that lasts. Well, I think one story you've forgotten about is uh, the breaking news from yesterday that uh, Washington State head coach Nick Rolovich was fired for cause, uh, for cause along with four of his uh, staff members for basically failing to be vaccinated. And this is because Washington State University is a state municipal university and all employees of the university are considered employees of the state. And the state has decreed in law that everyone who's a state employee must be vaccinated and the deadline was on Monday. Rolovich refused to do it. He would not even talk about it in press conferences. He, he um, applied for a religious exemption, which they turned down, and uh, he didn't do it. And he, he's left $3 million on the table, uh, his yearly salary of $3.1 million, uh, for God, just because he won't have a vaccination. Three of his staff, sorry, four of his staff have gone with him, and one of the staff members who've gone with him had a brother who worked for the Navy who was also fired for the same reason. They've all so, hailed from Hawaii. They're all his backroom staff in Hawaii. Very strange. I have limited sympathy uh, uh, with it, to be fair. Yeah, I do too. Um, it's just an inter- I don't think we've ever had a situation where uh, a school needs so many coaches in, <laughs> all at once in the middle of the season. Uh, yeah, that's true as well. Also, the uh, on religious ground said because he was Catholic, wasn't he? Yeah, but bollocks. Pope has come out and said quite categorically, yeah, get the vaccine. It's yeah, it's, it's nonsense. Um, uh, interestingly enough, they've won three and a bounce at four and three at uh, Washington State. So we were doing good things in Pullman, which is not an easy place to recruit, and uh, very similar to, to Purdue. But uh, everyone remembers the good old times of uh, the Pirate Mike Leach there and, and getting Gardner Minshew and throwing for like eight hundred yards a game. But you know, it's it's a difficult place to play for, uh, to to bring kids to play football, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna be hurting because of this. Fair but news. you know, fuck it, so, so uh, Just do the AP rankings then. Ohio State. Five and one of fifth, Alabama six and one of fourth, Oklahoma outrageously uh, are seven and zero and third. <laughs> but the, you can only see them getting better now, can't you? <laughs> I know it's annoying. Anyway, uh, Cincinnati <laughs> five up to two. Uh, You're fine. in the top four. It doesn't matter. Well, well I'd, I'd be interested to see how you get one against Georgia in the I'm, SEC championship game. Where you land then? I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to play Georgia too also, often. Also, number one, of course, these... and picked up all the votes. From the AP twenty five boys, as, as, well they should. As but well the interesting should. thing, of course, is that these rankings don't really matter because in a few weeks' time, the college, the national football championship, college football playoffs will start voting, and uh, they're the only ones that really truly matter. I hope that we see Coastal Carolina climb up fourteenth. I've got them in my top it. ten this year, despite some people trying to say only otherwise. Where's your SMU ponies? They are in the I think nineteenth. Twenty one here, quite close. Yeah, Baylor. Um, aforementioned Baylor twenty, Auburn nineteen. And Purdue sneaked in at twenty-five. They did not sneak in for me. Air Force did six and one, and Air beat Boise. Yeah, they beat Boise State last week, and this week they've got a huge game in the Mountain West because they're playing the twenty-two ranked, I believe, San Diego State. Correct. And also, whilst we're down there looking at that twenty-three Pittsburgh five and one, the quarterback is making waves. What's his name? I've forgotten. Kenny Pickett. I can't believe we skipped over UTSA University of Texas San Antonio with a running back called Sincere McCormick. <laughs> Keep your eye on that, folks. Right, let's do this, mate. Let's go for our ballsy callsies. Mm-hmm. Balls, calls, 
Sam Simon and Ward Collapsing pocket feeling pretty naughty Making dodgy picks on the footy Ballsy, ballsy Don't know really much about the sporty Sam Simon and Ward Right, Sam, I've already got Rob's in I've got mine in So yep. basically, I'm asking you what you think uh, And uh, then I'll tell you what we've done You've probably already seen Ward's picks, haven't you? Which is a bit annoying I can't remember any of it Well... I know he hasn't got a ballsy one amongst him. Right, well, we've changed one already. Let's just uh, clarify. Wardy doesn't quite buy into the whole game of ballsy calls. The idea is you pick a team that isn't supposed to win, and they do. Yeah. And that's it's that simple. So you pick a shit team to win, because every week there's always one. You've got to find that one. Wardy doesn't like that idea. Wardy tries to edge it every week. He was on the, what did he say today? He was like, well, it's no affair going with Cleveland over Denver because Cleveland got injuries will be considered ballsy causey. Cleveland, with all those injuries, playing Denver probably makes it a pretty tight game. You could think either way, but it's not significant enough to be a ballsy causey. That's the way it works. He tried giving us that. He tried giving us another one later on, which we discredited. So See in the end, he wanted beating the Saints. He wanted to see us beating the Saints. I think that's a pick him. That was just a tweak my, tweak my nips, as we say. Yeah, probably. See, see you said it wasn't a ballsy causey and yeah. uh, have you compromised. But uh, because of that, we've made him change one, so we'll get to his ballsy causey later, which is actually now a proper ballsy causey. Sam, you are currently 51 and 43 on your picks. You're positive. Happy with that. You went 8 and 4 last week. As did Wardy, he went 8 and 4 too. He's 57 and 37. He's only got one balls of cause so far, and you've got two. And as we all know, his balls of cause is a weak as piss. Yeah. Um, and I put three or four in every week. So you keep saying, but I'm in charge of balls of causes, and there's only ever seems to be one to me. Now, I'm 16 and 34. I'm absolutely running away with it. I went nine and, uh, nine and five this week, I think. Or, and you guys went eight and six. But uh, And I've got three balls of causes, and all of them have been pretty balls in the first three weeks. Let's not forget, but let's get cracking. Thursday night football, mm-hmm. Denver at Cleveland, Cleveland full of injuries, Denver dog shit. What are you saying? I'm going with uh, just I don't know if you're ballsy or not. Uh, I'm going with Denver. It's not ballsy. Bon, bon Miller's very ballsy uh, about his um, his chances in this game, racking up some sacks. Uh, <laughs> I'm inclined to agree with him. So uh, I think Denver might. Yeah, I think uh, they might just take advantage of Cleveland, who are looking horrendously beat up. Uh, see what their uh, depth chart is really up to. Well, I think this is a case Keenan revenge game, and I've gone with Cleveland, and Wardy agrees with me. And the fact that we wouldn't let him have his balls of cause, he didn't mean he changed it, so he knew for a fucking fact it wasn't a balls of cause at all. <laughs> Over to the first of the 6 pm games on Sunday. This is a absolute Titan game, isn't it? Excuse the pun. Kansas City heading into Tennessee. Now, Tennessee surprises, isn't it, Monday Night Football? I think it's fair to say, but they are a team that's hard to peg right now, but on their day, they're very problematic to be. Well, I made, Monday Night Football made my prediction of them being uh, AFC's number one overall team feel a lot better. Yep. Uh, but also, the previous five weeks, I mean, I don't think they're going to sustain it. <laughs> Is um, that you're going with the Chiefs? No, I'm going to go to Tennessee, actually. Oh, interesting. Uh, I think the Chiefs' uh, wobbly narrative continues. Well, uh, Sam zigs as the rest of us zags. Me and Rob have both gone KC in my I can't vouch for Rob, but my opinion is that KC have lost too many already. They're not going to lose this one. Titans won last week, so they're probably going to lose this week. Job done. Over to the Frozen Tundra. Washington football team head up to the Frozen North to play Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers on fire. Do the, does the football team have any chance in this one, Sam? Um, no, uh, no. No, correct. All three of us thinking that. Lock that one in. 
Why have they regressed so from like a not very good last year? The defence isn't what they thought it was. They're, they're absolutely empty at linebacker. They're having to um, play Landon Collins, the safety at linebacker at the moment, which is probably a better position for him anyway, but he doesn't think so. Uh, so they're in, a, they're, in a, they're in dire straits upon in Orlando of Maryland. Speaking of Maryland, Cincinnati head to Maryland to play Baltimore. In an AFC North contest, this is an interesting one. This is a, the upstart Cincinnati Magazine. We're four and two right now, and I think so. Are the Baltimore Ravens, or maybe they're five and one. I can't remember. But five and one Ravens. The Ravens looked really good against the Chargers, didn't they? Yeah, we didn't get that into a. Well, you your rundown, mate. You chose it. You just myth that I chose the Ravens last week to beat the Chargers. Because we talked too much about the Chargers and the we Ravens. Probably, we probably have talked about certainly the Chargers. This was a little bit of their revenge game, wasn't it, from uh, a few years back where Chargers just figured out Lamar Jackson. Oh, in the playoffs. But beyond that now, mate, we're playing ballsy calls. Uh, but for this, yeah. would this be ballsy? It would. I might go ballsier, but I will... Um, Unless you say Baltimore right now, and it's not Baltimore. Actually, no, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to stick with it. I've <laughs> been flirting I mean, with as it. As good as Cincinnati are. I've been flirting with like, it at Baltimore. Is there, is there a more entertaining team to watch on offence right now than Cincinnati? That Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase connection is something special. Yeah, they can is. run the football. Um, Wardy has picked this as his ballsy causey begrudgingly. Uh, I've gone Baltimore because I'm not an idiot, and you've joined me. Well done, Sam. Oh, so that, that, that's the ballsy one we gave him, was it? That's the, the ballsy one that... Uh, it is just... That is ballsy. It is. It is. In a week where the balls are the level's not there. We'll see about that. Okay, well, here's your opportunity, mate. <laughs> Carolina, the, uh, I'd say delicate, maybe, at 3-3, three and three, going into uh, the Big Apple, well, New Jersey at the very least, Metro, MetLife Stadium to play the Giants. This would be a ballsy call. You know? If it weren't for the injuries, I'm, I might have gone for it. The Giants are awful. <laughs> so that's a no then they're, they're, they're the worst team in the league I don't care what anyone's record says right? they're the worst team in the league um, Carolina will win this game that is locked up every single one of us think that Carolina's going to win that one sticking with the 6pm games this is a dog shit football game say that right now and not, I couldn't tell you which one's uh, the worst team in this uh, Miami don't get a bye week following the London game they host the Atlanta Falcons well, I mean it's no different from going uh West Coast to East Coast, is it, I suppose. But, um, well. More time zones, but yeah. Time zones, probably slightly different. Uh, give me the Dolphins. And surprisingly, I thought this was a hard one to pick. Surprisingly, all three of us have gone with Miami for that one. Well, we're locking them. We're locking them. And I think it's probably because we did see some shoots. We don't know quite know what the Falcons are like. Did the Falcons have a bye week last oh, week? No, we're Too late, mate. It's, it's, the pen is already okay. down. Sorry, buddy. We're not messing around today. Uh, and the final six o'clock game in AFC East matchup. Opportunity right here, Sam. New England hosting the New York Jets. Yeah. Uh, no, the England will win. The, the England. New England. Did I say the England? The England. The New England Patriots will beat the New York Jets. I cannot as say. As they always do. Uh, yeah, it's the Dolphins who beat the Patriots. Uh, all three of us going with the Patriots there. Over to the 9pm games on Sunday night. This is, I think this is a sneaky good game. Philly going to Las Vegas. Las Vegas obviously won this week against Denver despite Gruden's uh, departure. Uh, Ricky Sabakia did a good yeah, job in the interim. Good locker room, doesn't it? So, yeah, um, Philly have shown a little bit of spice recently. They were unlucky against Tampa Bay last week on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, who I was derided for picking Philly to win that game. As you should do, because you lost. Pushed them. <laughs> got close. Got, got close. close. They could get close. Um, I still think I think the Philly offense is pretty is is really 
decent. I say, and I think Las Vegas are kind of. I, I mean, even before Gruden, I think they're slightly all over the place in in consistency at least. Um, yeah, give me Philly. I I I incline to agree with you on this one. I think the, the emotional baggage might just wear them down a little bit this week. I think last week they were at a point to prove this week. And they were playing Denver. More difficult. Yeah, Philly's a little bit more a little bit more of a tough challenge because they can compete on offense. I've gone Philly, but Wardy has gone for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's time for size ballsy callsy. So this is oh hey hang on. I've gone, I've gone for Jared Goff to surprise the world <laughs> in a revenge game and head down to his former stomping ground and take home a W to the Motor City mate. I think the Detroit Lions are going to sneakily beat the Rams in a twenty-one to seventeen game. Fair enough. Um, I don't think Detroit will score that many points. No, you don't think they'll get three touchdowns. I don't think they'll get three points. Um, <laughs> they might get three points. But no, the Rams will be winning this game. Oh, Wardy has to agree with you. See, this is what a, balls, a true balls of call of the year. This is the, uh, you know, the heart of the game. You've got a narrative there that's fair, fair to cling to. Yeah. This is obviously your ballsy cause because it is every week Tampa Bay are playing an inferior football team in the Chicago Bears. And Tampa, I tell you what, <laughs> riding their luck this season. <laughs> and they have been. So a team you don't trust in the Chicago Bears and you never have done, you're not a big fan of Matt and Nagy and you don't know what's going on with them. Tampa Bay spent the end of last season riding the luck. They started this season riding the luck. Don't believe the hype, the hype about them. <laughs> Chicago's defence... Gonna smash mouth third time maybe somehow. <laughs> Chicago in for a ballsy callsy for Sam. Do enjoy it. Me and Wardy have more sense than that. Uh, last nine pm game on the slate on the Sunday is uh, the Houston Texans, the embattled Houston Texans, who maybe outperforming uh, what people thought, but still aren't quite getting the results for it. They're going to the only undefeated team in the NFL in Arizona. This would be ballsy. It, it would, and I don't know why Wardy didn't go for it. Because he's a coward. <laughs> um, this might be uh, Houston's second uh, shutout of the season. When uh, you say that, you mean that they don't shut Arizona out, obviously. You no, mean, no, they uh, don't score any points. Okay. Uh, we've all gone for Arizona. No drug smoke here. Sunday night football. A bit underwhelming contents, if you ask me. Carson Wentz heading to Levi Stadium to play the uh, Just out of interest here. The what, Colts. What did Wardy say of his 49ers here? Did he pick them? He just picked them straight up. He didn't. He didn't say anything. I asked him if it was his ballsy call. I mean, it's a bit ballsy. I've gone with Indy. I think Indy the favourite team. I think, I think they've been a lucky defeat and probably a better better team than the record suggests. I think the Forty Nine ers have got issues. I think Indy are looking a bit better. I thought they were because obviously the injuries weren't as and um, more importantly, far reaching. They've waived uh, Jacob Eason and kept old Sammy Ellinger as backup quarterback there. So well, fingers crossed, everything <laughs> happens to Carson Wentz, which. <laughs> He's bound to at some point. It is, isn't it? Um, yeah, no, Indianapolis, I think. Uh, Me and you in the cahoots there. And yeah, Wally, it, well, it'd be interesting. Wally's shown a, a, a significant amount of faith in his own team, which he doesn't often do. Uh, and it wasn't only last week on the podcast that he was saying it, it looks like a rebuild year for the 49ers. Certainly a year of disappointment, isn't it? I mean, rebuild, overstating it. And then what, I, I tell you what, I bet the, the people who scheduled this thought this was going to be a hell of a lot better than it looks like right now. New Orleans Saints heading to the clink. The Keeling Stadium in Seattle, in Seattle, Washington to face the Seahawks. Well, yeah. A graveyard of former Saints teams, of course, but 
Uh, coming off a bye week as well, I think the Orleans will be fine. Wardy went for the Seattle Seahawks in the vain hope that we'd give him as a ballsy. And you know why that is, don't you? Uh, because he found some betting site that said... <laughs> no, because uh, Russell Wilson, of course, and I always play out for six to eight weeks, and they are starting Geno Smith. Oh, Geno. Uh, he didn't look terrible. No, uh, against Pittsburgh. He's probably he? one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, the fact remains that both these teams are. That's. I mean, you want to talk about the Vikings and Panthers and like, what are they? What the hell are the Saints right now? You know, they are well chameleonic to say the least. Well, if they'd drawn against Carolina and both <laughs> giving each of us a three-three record this week, we might want to talk about that. <laughs> but as it is, we'll have to wait until um, they beat. Seattle on Monday to talk then, about it next week and then they'll have a nice tied record for you um, I've gone New Orleans as well because I just don't trust the, the the one advantage to me is that Saints defence against Geno Smith I can't really see anyway you've gone the Saints because well you just simply do not go against them do you uh, I have them have you I think I have them this season I'm sure um, but no don't use them don't usually have to of course uh, <laughs> but I think they're famous going into that I think how times are changing aren't they even in Seattle that was our Ballsy Causes, um, and that's the our podcast. This podcast has, of course, been sponsored by our good friends over at Royal Flush Designs, quality gear throughout the year. You can find them on Twitter at Sam. Uh, Royal Flush Designs. And you can find them on the website, Sam, at royalflushdesigns.co.uk. Absolutely nailed it. And then you, as loyal listeners or not so loyal listeners, can get 10% discount off all your purchases if at the checkout you're put into the promo code box, the phrase pocket 10 Sam letters in pocket numbers in 10 excellent, don't be confused excellent stuff um, get yourself some nice trainers t-shirts whatever anything you've got designed for Put just send them an email and they'll put it on the t-shirt for you and they do a fine good job too yeah yeah no sorry because no. I'm only asking you because you've been starting to amend your own clothing um, to disguise Donna Donna Staines well sorry I didn't realise that was a question there I thought it was a statement of facts so apologies for that pregnant pause. Well, it's not it's not unlikely they've not heard it from you before on this podcast, is it? Let's be honest. Um, Sam, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast. It's Thank nice you. to know that one of my colleagues, you know, has, shows the dedication required to take this podcast will, uh, to the next level. I always find the time to talk random shit and steal two of my beers. Steal? Um, well, you know, <laughs> help, help yourself to the beer. I didn't expect to say my favourite one, but there you go. Um, thanks very much for listening, folks. Uh, my name is Simon Carroll. This has been Sam Aykroyd. Cheers, guys. And we will see you, of course, again next week. Thanks very much. Yeah. The smoke stacks spitting black soot into 